Before you dive into this exciting episode, I'd like to let you know about the Squash Playbook, your tactical blueprint for success. The playbook is written based on the most common solutions I have given to the people I coach over the last 20 years. It is the ultimate how-to guide for any squash fan, and you can grab a free copy right away by visiting squashplaybook.com or clicking on the link in the show notes. Are you freaked out by that hard-hitting hacker? Frustrated with running out of ideas against the relentless retriever? Want to close out matches more clinically when in the lead? Or do you need some mental tools to overcome bad calls by referees? These answers plus many more have been brought together all in one place for the squash community. The Squash Playbook is a practical toolkit that breaks down over 40 scenarios that are most commonly faced on the court. Each scenario provides the psychology and the strategy needed to get a positive result. Each chapter wraps up with the top six key points to keep things simple and practical. The aim of the book is to transform reactive players into proactive tacticians. I focus on breaking down complex situations into straightforward, effective strategies for those high pressure moments in a match. So why not grab your copy now and step onto the court next time with a clear head and a set of strategies to win those matches you know you're capable of. Please enjoy the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to your next episode of the podcast series. I'm excited to welcome my very special guest, Victor Cruin, a powerhouse in the world of squash. Victor is a top 10 player renowned for his competitive spirit and exceptional victories on the tour so far. Starting his career with a major win at the Open International de Angers in 2017, he has never looked back, delivering consistent performances and bagging multiple titles year after year. While attending Harvard University, Victor saw an impressive winning streak on the tour including a triumphant run on Australian soil. He balanced his academics with a rigorous training regimen, his now famous spreadsheets guiding his path to victory. His determination and strategic approach eventually paid off when he moved into the world's top 10 ranking, a testament to his indomitable spirit and consistency in how he trains and behaves. In the 2022-2023 season, Victor's scintillating form continued, 
securing victories at significant tournaments, such as the Open de France de Squash, and making it to the finals of his first three tournaments. His second bronze title win at Squash on Fire Open and the qualification for the season-ending CIB PSA World Tour Finals solidified his reputation as a formidable force in squash. Not only this, but making it to the final of the Qatar Open, his first ever platinum final. In our insightful conversation, we reflect on Victor's incredible season, his journey from being number 20 rising to world number 7, and his preparation for the upcoming season. We delve into his early days, transitioning from tennis to squash at 11, and the dynamics of his father-coach relationship. We also explore his decision to attend Harvard, how he balances his degree with top-tier performances on the PSA World Tour, and what this prestigious education brought to his career. I dive deep into Victor's mental strategies, exploring how he handles pressure, starts matches on a strong note, and tries to close games out. As someone who has an in-depth understanding of his game and life, Victor's thoughts on these subjects are enlightening. Moreover, we discuss overall deep strategies about the mind from a young superstar who's improving at a rapid rate, both mentally and physically. We had such a great conversation, but it does feel there is a part two coming to go even deeper with mental exploration with one of the best minds in the game right now. But until then, let's go into this conversation with the remarkable Victor Cruen. Victor Kroon, welcome to the next episode of the podcast. I was really delighted to have you here. I know uh, we've been going back and forward with this for a while, but end of the season seems like a really great place to do it. Uh, you just told me you were just back in Paris now, visiting your girlfriend, just finished the World Tour Finals. How are you doing in general? Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been it's been hard to to find a, a time for <laughs> that works for both of us, but finally we're here uh, sitting down and, and talking about squash and the mind. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm feeling great. Um, I'm I'm happy. I'm I'm delighted. I'm now in my off season, mm. trying to enjoy as much as much as possible the the, the few days that I have before we back. Uh, um, working hard uh, and for and and getting ready for the next season. Amazing. Um, but yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been a good season. It's I've already started to to reflect on it a little bit with uh, different thoughts and and emotions. Uh, it's been packed. It's been mm-hmm. a lot of matches, but I'm very proud of myself uh, for 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 getting through it. And uh, yeah, excited for for, for the next season. We're good, and we're definitely going to unpack that. Where I want to talk a little bit about the season gone, the season ahead. Just before we jump into that, a um, couple of things you shared with me that you're only getting a couple of days off, and then you're back training. Just tell the listeners what training is, because I just I assume squash rackets might not be picked up too much. So how do you keep yourself? like fresh because it's a long season you guys packed it in the last three or four months um what's your thoughts feelings and, and how you approach your summer training yeah well i mean first of all i think even during the season to stay sane and, and injury free i try to take two or three days of heat here and there mm-hmm. um um so I, I get to the end of the season and i'm not really um I'm happy to train. I'm 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 happy to train. What I, what is what has been difficult recently is uh, going to tournament and having to really <clears throat> deliver on the on the squash court to to win games. Yeah. Uh, so so it was more mental than physical thing, I'd say. Mm-hmm. So the motivation, the the grit, uh, and the, the 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 willingness to push uh, to push beyond the the the, the pain the, the pain uh, to get those games. Well, it was tough to 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 feel that. Uh, in the end of the season, sure. um, 
so I'm only getting a few days off uh, right now. I've already had a few after Alguna, and then training was very light since uh, since then. Um, so I'm honestly excited to just get back in shape, uh, get back in shape physically. So for sure, I'm in the squash. I'm still going to go on call in the next uh, in the next few days, weeks. Uh, first of all, because I have a, a local event to play next weekend. Nothing important, but uh, a good way to 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 have fun and to uh, to to visit friends and and uh, and the squash club that is uh, close to my heart. Um, so I'll I'll have this, and then I'll be in New York for for junior junior camp with my uh, club partner, Open Squash. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that will be fun as well, and I'll have to balance uh, the work and the the training at the same time. So I think until. July fourteenth, uh, I'll be I'll be training. Uh, my focus will be on just physicality, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's on court, uh, off court, uh, and then after that, uh, I'll have a month uh, really to to focus on my squash, on the fundamentals, uh, trying to to add something to my game so that um, I I can I can take it to the next level uh, for the next season. Amazing. So you said something really interesting there and, and we can obviously unpack this as we go, but you said, you know, mentally you might've been struggling a little bit towards the end of the season, the motivation, the grit, the long grind, pushing through pain. Um, that might be part of your reflections. Would you mind sharing, reflecting on, on what you think about that and, and any strategies that you use with that? Sure. I mean, it's a, personally, it's, it's a tricky process because I need tournaments to, to, to feel the motivation to train. I need tournaments to get better. Uh, oftentimes, uh, I need one or two tournaments before I actually peak uh, right. in the in the tournament that really matters to me. Um, so I'll, I'll often struggle in the first tournaments of either the season or after a long break. Um, so I need those, those uh, competitive matches to feel good on court. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always this need to actually travel and play tournaments. Uh, and for me, it's always a, a feedback mechanism where you train for a few weeks and then there's only when you actually compete that you can see if you progressed. And especially mentally, I think you can do as much training as you want uh, and you can do a bus drive as long as you want. Uh, if you have when, when you will have to deliver in a competitive mm. match, it's a completely different post and straight drive that you're gonna <laughs> have to to hit. So you're trying to um you you're trying to create situations. Well, I I try to create as many uh, situations as possible when I train uh, that are close to a squash match mm-hmm. uh, where you can feel the pressure. Uh, for example, uh, you, you count points on the simple drills like post drives. Yep. Uh, and you can see like a whole different behavior mm. and you can feel your body getting tense. Um, but yeah, anyway, I try to, to have um, blocks of training of at least one or two weeks right. uh, before going to tournaments and not play more than three events in a row. Mm. Uh, some professional players will tell you three tournaments in a row is way too, too many for them. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's still okay. Uh, at some periods of the, of the season, especially in September and then in January after the the Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'd say since 
I think European teams was uh, a hard one to mm. to uh, to swallow, especially with the the, the world individuals right after. Uh, yeah. We literally flew the, the, the day after the, the final of European teams and played two days later uh, in Chicago. So uh, hmm. the, that was a tough turnaround and I think it dragged me until uh, the end of the season. Um, so I think it's it's very important to, to, to communicate with your coach yep. and even yourself yeah, <laughs> just certainly. about uh, how do you feel right now? Uh, do you wake up and and have the the? You know, are you excited about going to training? Are you excited about traveling and going to a tournament? And if it's not the case, then well, it's probably something you got to do because it's mm. just not sustainable in the long run. Uh, on the other hand, it's also our job, so sometimes we also just have to show up and uh, and mm-hmm. do the job, grind and, it out, uh, mm. grind it out, sure, and also. Uh, uh, try to keep telling myself while well, you, you're still traveling you in a beautiful hotel in Egypt for, the, for example the world tour finals it was a it was a, it was a, a hard ask uh to to go and play yeah uh, and i know the chance i have to to actually be uh, participating in the in the world tour finals if i'm just being there and playing there is an achievement in itself uh, for me and you you've seen over the the past few years is always uh, one or two players that struggle to actually compete at the World Tour Finals. Mm-hmm. Well, this year, uh, that was me. Mm-hmm. It's very honest of <laughs> uh, you. Very, very honest, yeah. I mean, not not to take away uh, the performances from my opponents. Uh, mm-hmm. I got there being number eight. So uh, to be able to to get a few upsets, I had to be, I'd say, at 100, 120, sure. 150% mm-hmm. when I think those players who are above me can be at seventy percent and still and still yeah. beat me on the day, um, so it was uh, it was tough, mm. uh, especially as a competitor. Um, I don't like losing, um, but and and after you lose one match, well, you still have a match uh, the the next day, so you can't come away from it. It, it wasn't mm. easy, but it was a it was a great experience, and uh, I was maybe already focusing on on next season, on reflecting on this season, trying to mm. learn a few things here and there. Yeah. Um, get as much experience as possible from those World Tour finals because it's definitely a special event. It's only sixteen of us uh, on the on, if you combine the the men and the women. So mm-hmm. uh, it's definitely more relaxed and and I had a lot of fun there. So nice, yeah. nice, yeah. And so um, yeah, you could you could kind of see that that you weren't at your hundred percent. I think I think that was pretty obvious. But again, no taking away from anyone else. But I'm quite interested to unpack a little bit with you for a sec, Victor. The um, you know, obviously the world, the European final, an amazing final against Muhammad. There's yeah. probably a lot of emotions in there, straight into the individuals. So when you're having those conversations with yourself, when you're checking and saying, you know, I'm struggling here, like I'm not motivated. I don't want to get on that flight. I, I'm really finding it difficult. Any thoughts, any strategies? Because I can imagine that would have come in your mind quite a lot. So how, how do you how do you try and convince yourself to, to kind of step up at that point? Yeah, I mean... Um... Recently, I've just tried to wrestle with my mind and and communicate and just communicate with myself and try to rationalize myself and 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 find gratitude in, in the things I do. Uh, try to spend as much time in the morning uh, stretching and uh, getting my body in the, in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, as much as possible. Um, 
but yeah, as well, I mean, you, you just go training and you can feel it's, it's tougher to recover. Uh, well, not get too negative about it. Uh, mm-hmm. just accept that at the end of the season and things won't go, uh, the way you want, uh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've adjusted, as I said, I've taken training more lightly recently. And when I say lightly, it's just I'm doing one session a, a day, uh, usually taking the weekend off. Uh, nice. so just making the schedule, uh, lighter so that when I'm actually on court training, I, I still give 100%. Mm. Uh, because it's I feel like it, it it's a waste of time to spend too much time on the squash court if it, you're not 100% of the time yeah. so doing mm. two three hour sessions if you just focus for an hour it's just uh, mm. not good for the body not good for mine and I, I mean it's the summer right now I live in the south of France so I'd rather be <laughs> at the beach for the for the for the two wasted hours than, exactly. than on the squash court yeah it um, just reminds me of uh Kobe Bryant said it's not about the amount of hours you're training it's about the amount of hours you're mentally present while you're training and, and you reflect on that and I just want to ask you a quick 100%. question there because I think this is quite interesting if you turn up at a tournament right what's your trade-off and what I mean by that would you prefer to be slightly underprepared because you've spent less time on court less honed but mentally your bandwidth is is wider. You you can actually operate with that because it's such a balance because maybe as a, as a younger player, and I know I fell into the trap and a lot of juniors, it's like, if I'm not getting my three hours a day, I'm going to be underprepared. But actually you get there and mentally you've got no bandwidth. So, you know, what what what's your trade-off? Do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it with a few players at the World Tour Finals, how sometimes you can not feel 100%, not, not in shape physically. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're, you're thinking straight and you're actually unconsciously uh, making more effort uh, mentally uh, to play right tactically so that you don't have to run as much and you can actually uh, be more efficient on the squash court. So it's interesting as well. I remember when I was younger and I was playing local events and so after you lose a match, you have to play the consolate plate, mm-hmm. consolation plate. Uh, and sometimes... So it'd be three, three, three matches on a Saturday and then two matches on a Sunday. And so the Sunday matches would be uh, hard mentally and physically. And sometimes I would get out of those matches feeling, well, I actually played really well, even though okay. I didn't feel good, uh, just because you're unconsciously uh, doing better, uh, making better decisions uh, mentally. So it's, it's interesting sometimes how when you feel tired, even when you train, you actually train or play better because you know that you don't have that much in the tank anymore exactly. and you have to be more efficient. Um, so that's another thing. Sometimes if you feel tired, just uh, just remind yourself that, well, you, you might you might as well just be more efficient and, mm. uh, and, and, and keep pushing and in these periods. Um, but yeah, it's the same. Sometimes you warm up, you don't feel you don't feel good physically. It's uh, you, you're sore from the last match or from the last training, and then once you're done with your warm up and you start training, uh, everything feels better. And especially mentally, you you connect yeah. uh, you connect with your mind and you're hundred percent focus on 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 the task and not on I don't know what you're gonna eat tonight or. Exactly. <laughs> or or I don't know uh, scheduling your next podcast or your next uh, <laughs> all those your distractions next trip. Mm. all those distractions that 
sometimes you're training and you're thinking, why am I thinking this mm. at this moment? Um, so sometimes I like feeling tired because I know that I'll be 100% focused yeah. on, on the task. I love that. That's cool. And it's such an interesting thing. And, and you know, the older we get, and yeah, obviously I'm a lot older, but like you get to know yourself, why? And you kind of know your, um, sure. your, your different sure. levers that you can pull and push. And it's not just like full tilt and let's just go with it. But what do you think of this? It's something that I, I kind of always debating with people. Does the body release the mind or does the mind release the body? As in, so if your body's feeling really cool and fluid, <clears throat> is your mind free or is the first starting point the way you frame things up on the mental side and that could loosen the body. I don't think there's a right answer, but what, what do you think of that as a theory? Um, it's probably again, feedback mechanism where it goes from one, uh, from, from one direction to, to the other. I'm sure if you, if you feel sore, uh, physically, for example, uh, you probably need your mind to relax in order to, uh, activate your muscles. Uh, because if your mind is, uh, it goes back to emotions. If you've got negative emotions, then you can't activate your muscles at the right time and you might have a, a slower reaction time, for example, mm. on the boast or on the cross court. Uh, that's what my dad often repeat, re- repeat me when after a decision. Like you need to be able to, uh, to get the negative, uh, the negative out of the, the equations in your mind because otherwise mm-hmm. uh, after the next serve you might not react as well as quickly as uh, as before uh, and those negative emotions can uh, impede your reaction time your the 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 the, 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 the your swing uh, how you can hit your your drop shot you often okay. actually make a mistake uh, mm-hmm. when you have negative emotions going on mm-hmm. uh, in your mind so I think the mind is very, very, very important. Mm. Uh, I think I always remember Mohammed uh, at the European teams. Um, if he hadn't repeated himself be- before every rally when he was done, like, let's find a way, let's find a way, uh, let's get through this, he would probably have given up and not uh, mm. come back uh, from 7-3 and 7-2 in the fourth and yeah. fifth games. Uh, so it's always your mind that's going to, um that's gonna drive uh the muscles yeah and, and activate them and without it uh i don't think you can actually um keep going mm. uh so it starts it starts up there for sure mm, no, uh, then in the other direction uh i'm not sure i'm mm. not sure actually since i definitely think the mind will control mm. uh your muscles yeah and sometimes even though you feel pain you can still push through that pain if you have the willingness uh, uh, mentally. It's a hard thing to do, especially because you feel uncomfortable during that moment yeah. uh, precisely. But uh, once you've done it once or twice, uh, during the next few trainings, you know if you've pushed uh, beyond or not, if you've exactly. just mm. stopped at that limit. And that's what I was uh, saying about uh, my performances at the World Tour Finals. I know that as soon as it get it got a little tough, uh, that it was hard to breathe, uh, which is something that also doesn't happen that often with me. I'm usually very, very prepared physically, and right. there there weren't a lot of times during the season where I feel like 
I'm actually tiring and out of breath and and I need to um I need to take care of that mm-hmm. uh, in order not to to burn down. Sure. And like for example against Ali uh against Ali in Alguna at the in the at the beginning of the second game I was just on physically and temperature and the conditions definitely have uh, something to do with it. Uh, especially when all of Ali's opponents actually uh, burn down uh, physically. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but still, I think uh, if I were in a better shape, I would have definitely uh, done better. Mm. Um, yeah. And maybe so that's, that's the thing that's... as well. I think when I uh, sometimes I, I, I'm, I'm also not worried, but concerned. I'm, I want to be a hundred percent before going to tournaments, and I want to spend those hours on the squash court, making sure that uh, I'm gonna have the the the, the physical mm-hmm. uh, strength to 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 keep pushing during the matches, and uh, more importantly, I won't have to think about it when I'm caught, and I can actually focus on just tactics. Love and it. at the beginning of the season or even before a year ago in June when I actually started playing full time. Uh I was big on uh Ocean Board's uh quote about uh I'm not gonna say the quote right I think but it was something like training is uh training is the hard part but then you should you should be having fun when you actually compete when you race in in, I love that. in his case when you play squash in my case like mm. training is the hard part but uh, competition is uh, is supposed to be your vacation it's supposed I like that. to be where you actually have fun and nice. and do what you love the most mm. and I like that a lot uh, it's just accepting that training is going to be hard and then well you're actually excited about going to tournaments and, and competing because mm. you know you've done the work and and that gives you a lot of confidence, uh, a lot of excitement about uh, competing instead of being afraid of the comp- competition aspect and totally. and, mm. and the pressure of, I have to win, I'm, I don't want to lose. I, like you have to, you have to accept that anytime you're going to be on court, uh, there's a chance you can lose. Um, but at the same time, you're 100% confident that you you will win because you've done the work. Exactly, and you've, love it. You you've worked harder than any mm. of your opponents. Mm, that's brilliant. I love it. It's, it. The train hard, play easy model is is great, yeah. isn't it? It's, I love it. And what you said there is really interesting. It's um, I use this so often, so people are probably sick of me saying it. Navy SEALs say this under pressure: you don't rise to the level of your expectation, but you sink to yeah. the level of your habits and behaviors. So, it, yeah. are your training habits and behaviors aligned with your expectations? If they are, you know what? You got a really good chance to align that. But we can't imagine and think we're going to play the best squash if our behaviors aren't aligned with the way we are thinking we're going to be doing things which is great and yeah. um just to go back half a step i think the whole body mind so so when the body is telling it's kind of exhibiting pain as we probably know our ancient brain it, it's trying it's survival mechanisms go okay well if we yeah. keep pushing this pain we're not going to survive tonight we're not going to hunt that animal tomorrow but actually we can we can we can trick it we can short circuit that part knowing that hey we're playing competitive sport it's going to hurt but we're unlikely to lose our lives from this. So, you know, they've done a great study with marathon runners when they hit the wall, you know, it's like 23 miles in, they hit the wall. 
and I think the study was called Mind Over Matter, which was pretty much said, yeah, the body shut down way before the mind. And when you could actually find a way to short circuit that, it, the body can keep going way longer than you think. And I, I really love that idea. Yeah, those research are actually very, very inspiring. Cool, aren't they? <laughs> uh, no, it's very cool to see that it's actually the mind that give the mind that gives up before before your body. I know the body um, gives up before the mind slightly. So the body starts giving, it's sending a signal to the mind saying, hey, we need sure. this. Yeah, I, it, it I think sends I a signal, but then the body, uh, the, the mind accepts it. Yes, exactly. Of, yeah, the mind's uh, trying to, yeah, exactly. Get, yeah. yeah, that's what I wanted to say. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, it's great, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's the same, same in, in cycling mm-hmm. uh, um, and all the sports where it's just about your body. And I mean, there's definitely a little bit of technique and, and flow, uh, but Exactly, uh, but your mind is uh, probably ninety percent of the uh, of the work. It's the control panel, isn't it? It's like there's so many levers and dials we can start, and we just we're discovering more about it all the time. So yeah, I kind of yeah. nerd out when I get one of these uh, papers dropped in my inbox, and I kind of study it. So yeah. um, awesome. So listen, let's go back a couple of steps. I know we got into some deep mental stuff. Um, I want to just have a bit of a chat. We won't have to spend too long on it, but I think it's an interesting journey. Your journey from you know a young French junior going all the way to Harvard, and you know graduating at Harvard. Do you want to just give us a, a thought about how that was? And, and also while you're there, the balance of, you know, Harvard and, you know, the difficulties of playing squash, how you got the Harvard degree and played to such a high level also. Yeah, well, I think it started uh, because my dad was playing squash uh, when I was very young and I would uh, drive with him uh, to local tournaments during the weekend and, mm-hmm. and would see him uh, compete and play squash with Ben. He was just... Uh, Nice. Uh, a local player uh, having fun, uh, but I still remember him going to our local. I mean, going to a local squash school. My mom driving me there on a Wednesday or a Saturday for a session, and I would see those half balls on on the squash court, and my dad would actually do some ghosting uh, yeah, before cool. some like local events, and I would, I would, I remember I would think to myself. Well, that looks painful. I don't want to do this ever again. <laughs> well, ever. Uh, and obviously, well, now I'm full-time professional players and I do this every day. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's a, yeah, that's a fun memory from a, from 10-year-old me, I think. Cool, man. Uh, and that still, that still impacted me to this day. But yeah, my dad was playing squash. Uh, I got into it. I was, uh, I was playing tennis though at the time uh, when I was between four and, and 10 years old and 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 I still wanted to play squash as well. So I played squash from, I, I played both sports until I was 10. At mm-hmm. the same time, I was, I was also uh, playing the piano. Uh, so Wednesdays would be packed with uh, piano lessons and, and squash lessons and, and tennis and tennis lessons. And uh, I go into competitive uh, aspect uh, of sport uh, quite early uh, in tennis, not in squash mm-hmm. and that kind of uh, uh, I wasn't having as much fun as uh, just training and hitting the ball with my friends and I mean I love tennis uh, I would come back from school uh, for lunchtime and I would hit, hit the ball in the garage and, and mm-hmm. break a few uh, windows here and there in the in the house love it uh, uh, just trying to hit that that tennis ball uh, just by myself, um, but yeah. So I actually stopped uh, playing tennis when I was about ten, eleven years old mm-hmm. uh, because my coaches were putting a lot of pressure on me, just oh, really? wanting me to, to train more, to 
play more event, play more uh, local tournaments. Uh, they asked my parents if uh, they were willing to to put me in like a uh, how do you call it when you do school uh, uh, do school online. Oh, okay, homeschooling. Like mm. and, yeah, mm. homeschooling, and I was not into this, and I was mm. just having wanting to have fun with my friends, and that's it at the time. So I stopped uh, tennis uh, just for this reason, really. Yeah, too much, uh, too think, much, too early. I came back. And- I came back from a from a squash event. Uh, oh, from a squash event. Sorry, from a, a tennis event where you play. We, you're with your partner and you play both of you play singles and then okay. you play doubles together mm-hmm. and we lost we lost it and then had a few days without playing tennis and then that was never it, was played it? again really uh, so that's such an interesting back. side note about you know early specialization and putting all that pressure on you know young athletes and then the dropout is really high and you know your sounds like your testament to that yeah i mean sure i mean my parents weren't putting that much expectation uh, on me when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, and the, I mean, the, the, there's 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 a different energies between my mother's part of the family, my dad's part of the family, where my dad went to boarding school, played ho- uh, ice hockey, okay. uh, and I'm sure his dream would have been to become a, a professional uh, athlete. Doesn't matter if it's ice hockey or another mm-hmm. sport, but he loves he loves sport, and I mean he quit his job uh, to be able to to coach and uh, and be a, a squash coach. Uh, and he uh, before COVID, he was actually uh, he took uh, he was uh, managing the the squash club that I grew up uh, since I was very young, and Amazing. that he's been playing for for years. So he definitely realized that. Uh, squash and sport is a is a big passion for him, and he'd rather actually be earning a living out of it than uh, he was working construction on uh, making plans on the construction uh, sites. Yeah, uh, so a lot of traveling uh, through throughout uh, the country, and and uh, when I talk about it with him, he had he had a lot of fun doing that, but uh, not as much as passion. being on the squash court. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. these days, he he coach uh, he coach on the side. He working in the in the hotel as a receptionist at night, three nights uh, per week. That's why he can't travel as much uh, right. as much as I would like with me. Sure. Um, and then the rest of the time is spent uh, coaching at the squash courts. It's incredible. Uh, and and it's very very and, special and relationship playing, with you and him by the sounds of it. Like really yeah, and really then deep. Playing paddle. <laughs> nice, uh, nice. <laughs> But yeah, so I stopped ten- playing tennis and I, he understood that I was actually taking squash more seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's funny that I stopped playing tennis because of the competitive side of it. And then as soon as I started playing squash, was I was actually eager to, to compete. Uh, and so I played local events, then the, the, the French Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, I finished, remember my first French Championship when I was nine i think i finished 17 so i lost my first match uh my first match and then won all of my other matches but it was a good experience uh the next year i finished third and then the year after i i won my my first uh french championship and so my dad and, and i have been working together since i'm 10 11 exactly. at first just doing one or two sessions per week in addition to the 
to the Wednesdays and Saturdays in groups. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was voluntarily uh, during the the, the, the squash uh, squash junior uh, camps and gotcha. clinics uh, on Wednesdays and Saturdays, and I was uh, one of the juniors uh, there, obviously. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Uh, then when I had to enter high school, I actually moved to Aix-en-Provence uh, at the National Squash Center, mm -hmm. where most of the men uh, are based. Um, and that was uh, that was fun time because um, in front school, high school is from eight to six most of the time, cool. so it doesn't give you a lot of time to to train before mm -hmm. high school. I would finish um finish training uh, finish uh, school around five and then my mom would be there to drive me to squash school uh most days i would do my squash session with my dad and he, my dad would be coaching uh, one or two guys and i would be home around hmm. eight nine p.m uh, yeah. getting dinner doing half hour of homework and then being in bed around mm. around 10 p.m so so did you all move there by the way no no, 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 no that was just so you that was dark, before yeah. high school I got uh, it, then yeah. I moved to Aix-en-Provence, which is only an hour away, mm. an hour bus away from home. So, oh, okay, yeah. So even though I was away, I, I I would still come back and do a few sessions with my dad during the weekends, for example, or or on Wednesdays, I'd go home, and then Thursday morning I would take a bus back to the to the school. Wow. Uh, but yeah, I was living and sleeping overnight uh, at the center. Mm -hmm. And those three years were really fun because I were was they? the best uh, French squash players. Um, there's a lot of competition as well with uh, in the juniors uh, back in the day. Uh, were probably six or seven of us, uh, and and some of them were better than me at the time. So those were my targets. Nice. <laughs> those were the players I wanted mm -hmm. to be. Um, and yeah, I played on the European circuit. European Junior Circuit, uh, so it was gone every every month for for an event in Belgium, uh, Germany, uh, England, you name yeah. it. Um, and was doing okay. Uh, I've never been the best uh, junior player in the world. At the mm -hmm. British, I would always lose in the third round or in quarterfinal, but I was still in the in the top ten. Uh, every every year, and and then I think it's uh my last year of high school and my my gap year where I actually finished runner up at the World Junior Championship in New Zealand and nice. runner up again at the British Open. That I realized well, actually, uh, I actually something have the, there. the cap mm. capability to to go full time pro and to to aim for for the top of the game. Love it. Uh, but yeah, as I said, on my dad's part of the family, it was all about sport. If you want to go and have a career, uh, good on you. On my mom's side, <clears throat> I would go and see my grandparents and, and they would ask me what I want to do later in life. I would be, well, I want to be a full-time professional squash player. And they would be like, well, yeah, but what do you want to do? As Like, what do you want your job to be? <laughs> your real job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your real job. Uh, and I think, Things have changed in the past 10 years where people might uh, see a, a professional uh, career in sport mm. as something doable more than 10 years ago. Yeah, totally. Uh, um, but still, yeah, it still impacted me at the time. My parents were still big on, on school and academics, so 
since a young age. I started going to European tournaments when I was 11. So I would be on a flight every month when I was 11, which is not common. Crazy, yeah. Um, and so the, the, the carrot stick was, uh, if you don't have the, the grades, uh, in school, then you can't, you can travel and play. So I love that. That's something I've always remembered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I always made sure I had, yeah. I've always, I've always made sure I had good grades in school. Uh, I've got a twin sister and we've been in the same, same, uh, classes, same, same classes until I moved to X. So <clears throat> that was another, uh, incentive because obviously there was this competitive uh, spirit mm. be- between us. We were helping each other a lot in school because okay. I was traveling and missing sure. a few classes, and she had a few health issues. So when she was away from from school, I had to help her okay. uh, too. Uh, so we would help a lot each other a lot, but I would also make sure we we were competitive. It's <laughs> so quite quite sweet, to... quite sweet at the right moments, but then also it's yes. like I'm going to kick your butt. <laughs> yeah, trying to to be number one and not number two. And, and did she play squash or not? She played when she was younger, mm-hmm. so in the 11 and 13, but then, yeah, had a few health issues. Okay. Uh, so she could have migraines uh, yeah. every month mm-hmm. or two and, and and stay in a dark room uh, really? for maybe a, a week at a time. Wow. And sometimes I have to go to the hospital with my wow. mother. So severe, um, severe stuff. Mm. Yeah, so severe migraine, nothing more. Nothing really, really serious in terms of health issue, but mm-hmm. very, very uh, annoying yeah. because you mm-hmm. can't do anything. And yeah, you don't debilitating. Feel that sick, mm-hmm. you just you're just in constant pain, and you can't. You you have to stay in your yeah in in your dark room. So yeah, it was. Uh, so then, so then, how did um? Obviously, there sounds like a meticulousness with in regard to your grades and really being high academic. Great help from your twin sister. Yeah talk about the harvard connection so so how did that come about did you approach did you apply and and why harvard yeah i think when i was around 16 uh some of the um coaches from other universities uh, approached me at the british open uh and especially gillane uh from penn Mm -hmm. and and since i was 16 gilly uh had stayed in contact with me uh two french girls have had made it to to Penn, uh, UPenn before too, so I was in contact with them uh, and trying to learn more about the system, uh, how to get in, uh, how to apply, uh, the, the the exams I would have to take. My English wasn't that great at the time as well, so okay. uh, the only way I was learning English was when I was traveling and having mm-hmm. to. I was spending a lot of time with uh, all the French players, so they would often have uh, friends from from different countries. So yeah. that's how I had to learn if I wanted to socialize. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so Gully helped me a lot, uh, learning more about the system. And at the time when I was in high school, since I was also, because I want to have good grades, at mm-hmm. some point I also became passionate about school. Uh, so when I was young, like until I think 11, I didn't have great grades. I was okay, but okay. Uh, all I wanted to do is, uh, hit the tennis ball in the garage, uh, for lunch break. That's it. Mm-hmm. And playing ping pong, uh, tennis table, uh, during, during our break nice. in school. That's it. <laughs> uh, but then I actually got passionate about academics and 
And so uh, I, I didn't want to turn professional at 18. I, that would have been a long squash career. Mm. And I've always spent my time bal- balancing academics and squash. Uh, for me, it's also, I've always said that uh, squash helps me in my uh, academics, but my academics helped me grow in my squash as well. Nice. Uh, so those things go hand to hand, and I mm. think they both help me to be better uh, in both discipline. Sure. Um, so that was important to me to 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 keep learning after high school, and there weren't that many opportunities in France, uh, or I would have to move to Paris. Usually, you can have great academic opportunities if you're an Olympic sport. Mm-hmm. So if you play the Olympic sport in France, you have access to different programs uh, right. in in the prestigious uh, French universities. But since squash is in the Olympic, uh, I did have those opportunities, opportunities. And so I thought going to the US would be the best, mm. uh, the best, uh, the best opportunity uh, at the time. So I took a, I took a gap year after high school because it was just too hard to, 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 to study for my final exams and study yeah. for the, for the exams to get into the universities. The, the SATs, aren't they? Yeah. SATs, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, <clears throat> and so I worked hard during the summer after my final exams to get ready for that uh, SAT. Uh, I went to Penn and Harvard uh, during my official visits in, in September okay. of 2017, I'd say. Uh, and that was my first time in the U.S., Oh wow! Um, Must have been a great experience that, eh? Seeing all that yeah, squash yeah. and mm. no, for sure, I had stars in my in my, <laughs> in my eyes. Uh, but yeah, I went to Penn first. Uh, was ready to sign the the papers because I I loved it. And then uh, Gilly Gilly told me, "Well, you should go to Harvard and and check it out, and then you get back to me." Okay. And and for and for 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 Penn, well, I. And for him, because I had a great relationship with him. Yeah, yeah that's, um, that's quite interesting. Gilly, again, Gilly, testament to the person he is and, and just yeah. the, the noble person. Like, you know, he wouldn't be sneaky or do anything like that. And and yeah, he suggested no, that. Sure. So, yeah. so then, uh, then why, I mean, why? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I had the, the choice as well. It was fine. I had to had to go and, and visit Harvard. But yeah, I went to Harvard, did my visit, and then went home. And I thought hard about it. And I mean, I knew I had preferred, in the end, I had preferred uh, Harvard over Penn, but I was 
I was just feeling bad. I had to talk yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, I don't want. Uh, I, I prefer Harvard over. I prefer the Harvard program over the Pence program. Um, but yeah, at the time, I think um, Harvard had the more uh, international squash program. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of my best friends from the European circuit were in the Harvard team. Okay. Um, Cherry Lanku is also based in Boston. So yeah. uh, to me and my parents, uh, it, my, my dad was uh, close to Cherry when he was still living in France. So mm-hmm. to me and my parents, having a, a French family uh, close to me uh, is is quite uh, comforting. It's a, big thing. Mm. Uh, it's a big thing in case of emergency, if I feel homesick, totally, or yeah. if I have a, a health issues or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I could I can count on, on Thierry and his family. Nice. And I actually spent a lot of time with Thierry while oh, I was you? in Boston. Wicked. Um, um, so that was another plus. Mm. Uh, and and what about to, the conversations with, with Mike Way? I'm sure you're going to get onto that. Yeah, so, yeah, and that was my third point, of course. Uh, I knew Mike had a lot of experience uh, working with Jonathan Power. Uh, Jonathan was one of my idols when I was uh, when I was very young. Uh, my dad would, well, he's still working on making sure I don't talk to a referee after every decision. <laughs> and when I was very young, I would tell him, "Well, look at Jonathan. Exactly, he talks to a ref all the time, and he's world number one. Why yeah, can't I do it?" Exactly. Like, well, because you're different. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I knew I could work. I, I could learn a lot also from Mike. Uh, the team was very competitive. I knew Marwan Tarek would probably also ch- apply to Harvard, and uh, Marwan and I weren't friends at the time, but mm-hmm. he was uh, he was definitely a, a rival since it bitten me both at the Worlds and the British. Okay. So I knew that would be some good training. Uh, I knew also some of the guys who were already on the team wanted to go pro, mm-hmm. so I knew there was going to be that. Uh, willingness to train uh, more than in any other uh, colleges. Yeah, and uh, and yeah. So it's when I got there, it was super. I mean, especially my first and second year was super competitive because top five, uh, everybody wanted to be number one. Mm. You had Sahad Eldinhab who was a world runner up. You had Timmy and Timmy Brownell, mm. uh, Sean Hughes, Sam Sherrill who had beaten me in the British before as well. Uh, and you had Marwan. And mm. you had George Crown as well. Well, you had so many good players. Mm. Uh, so so it was great to me uh, to have all those uh, great players to, to train with and to battle with every Monday to try and, and keep my, my spot at the top of the, of the ladder. Uh, and yeah, I mean, in the end, I, I, I also chose Harvard because Harvard is a... Is a big brand name uh, back in in Europe, uh, mm. but I mean uh, now that I've experienced it, I always tell uh, incoming recruits that if they choose any any colleges in the Ivy League, uh, yeah, there's not really one better than in a, sure. another in terms of uh, of uh, of academics and mm. and the experience that you'll get out of it. Mm. Uh, it's more important to choose the the right the right team for yourself, yep. uh, the right coach, the, the right facilities, uh, 
and then and then and then choose uh choose where wherever is best for you. I think Boston is also geographically uh the best place for any Europeans. Mm, similar uh, resonance. Fifteen mm. fifteen twenty minute uh Uber Uber ride to the to the airport and it's a six hour flight to Paris or London. Perfect. Uh, mm. So it's super super mm. easy to travel. And mm. since I was also playing professional at the time, mm. well it was uh, it was yeah. so this this might link a little bit because i i know um you know we we did a real cool squash girls training camp at one point and yeah. you know you got you got a really you know there's a solo bit which i want to talk about in a sec maybe but you've got a very meticulous process when it comes to your scheduling yeah. and your diary so i suppose did you have that before harvard <clears throat> did you use that during harvard do you want to just talk about how meticulous and how much attention to detail your your diary looks basically sure i mean when i was younger so 10 years ago now <laughs> uh a we used to do things in, <laughs> a long time ago we used to use paper <laughs> so, so Didn't I, i'm going stone and chisel with a hammer that's that's what i remember 10 years ago what are you talking these about days, yeah these <laughs> days i'm working on my computer on the excel sheets um uh, but back in the day i was working on my dad would print the session so we okay. obviously do um create them on excel sheets and then print them uh, I would, uh, stick them to my, uh, to my notebook. And, and so after every session, I would write a little comment, a little reflective, uh, comment on how it went, uh, what I should work on, mm-hmm. um, trying to remind myself of the, of the objectives, uh, for the months. Cause I was, uh, put some, uh, technical, tactical goals and then some result oriented goals as well. Okay. Uh, and I always find it important to have some goals focused on technique or something that you want to work on uh, um, while training so that at the end of the month, if you haven't achieved your result-oriented goal, so any mm-hmm. goal that you're going to set for yourself at a tournament, uh, well, at least you can reflect back and yeah. see the positive if you've improved, uh, if you've improved your game or your behavior around squash uh Mm -hmm. those goals could be just waking up on time uh, every morning or filling uh filling up the 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 excel sheet every uh every Mm -hmm. night after after practice it could be simple goals um but yeah so i used to 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 write things down on my notebook uh back in the days uh, I think I did three or four years of that before moving to Aix-en-Provence. And then, of mm-hmm. course, I wasn't going to use a pigeon to send a letter to my dad every <laughs> every day uh, so that we could share uh, our comments. So that's when we transitioned to Excel sheets and mm-hmm. I became an expert in, in, in that since then. You are uh, an expert. I've seen those Excel sheets <laughs> and you definitely are an expert. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so we, we, we used to, we used something called the, the Dropbox mm-hmm. to share our documents to, to one another. And so in Aix-en-Provence, even though I was coached by the national, uh, coach, uh, over there, I was still having a very close, uh, working relationship with my, with my, with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would share the training that I had done and then my dad would, uh, advise me on 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 training for the next day uh nice. telling me well here you shouldn't train as as long as this but be more efficient instead of doing an hour of 
I don't know what, uh, an hour of ghosting, just do half an hour because you're getting closer to, to a tournament, but mm. do a higher, higher intensity, for example. Yeah. So it advised me on training, on, on how to, uh, stay fresh for, for tournaments as we talked mm. about before. Um, as well, I mean, at the national center, he, we would work a lot on, on the, on the back corners. Uh, so he would, see the work that I was doing and then when I would go back home on Saturdays or Sundays we would spend an hour just working on volley drops and drops and and attacking shots mm. uh, really so it was a way for him to see what we should be working on when I go home yep. uh, and yeah then I mean I moved back home for a gap year we still worked with the Excel sheet um, and then I moved to Harvard I, I still I've, I mean I've I've still been using it, and now I'm back home. And and I think another another positive from using the spreadsheet is sometimes since it's a that's on a coach player relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's hard to uh, accept the cri- criticism right. from my dad and not my coach. It's hard to see him as my coach and not my dad sometimes. Yeah, uh, and for him, it will be emotionally difficult as well to criticize me or tell me the the hard truth uh, at times. Exactly. And yeah. we've realized then writing them down, uh, like if you're text messaging someone instead of say, uh, saying it straight to 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 his or her face is mm-hmm. easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes it's it's easier to write things down and you know you're not going to say the wrong things because mm. you've had time to actually sit down and write the words and if you're not happy about the words you can still delete mm. them and, yeah well, the emotions have, can be more balanced can't they yeah yeah mm. so you can yeah you can be more grounded in your answer or mm. in your in your comments both him and i uh in terms of my reaction his criticism yeah uh, and also sometimes i, I can still read some of his comments and feel like, ah, oh, that's, that's whatever. But still, since I've read them and I can read them again the next day, and mm. it's still right there <laughs> when I'm going to uh, fill in the, the next training the next session, one. I can sure. reflect on it. I can think mm. about it. Uh, I can take it all in, uh, let the emotions uh, spread away and, yeah. and then actually reflect on it and be like, okay, this is good. And this, I mean, I'm just going to live it away. I'm also, I think, mature enough to, 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 to be responsible and, 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 and to be, um, to be thinking by myself and not just buying anything that, uh, any coach would tell me. Yeah. Uh, and that stuff was something that frustrates my dad sometimes, but, uh, because I'm listening, but I'm not accepting everything he says. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you you, um, but you got yeah. to have your own filter as well. You know, you yeah, know what's going on inside that's, you. And, that's it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And um, yeah, love that. And, and it's again, a great tool. It's yeah. A great tool. And, and and so what like again, you obviously you've described that it makes complete sense. What was it? What does it what does it give you, do you think? Like obviously you're meticulous with it. You kind of you do it pretty much every time you step on court. It's a lot of good data. You can see where you're improving and where you might need some more work. But you say it's a good tool. Why why is it such a good tool for you? Um I think different reasons. Uh, one, it's a exercise of reflection. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it might be a full-time professional squash player, but you're not working only when you're on the squash court. 
And I think it's important to uh, cool down, go home. Uh, it's just a, a matter of reflecting on the session. You have to write it down. Uh, and while you write it down, you remember what went well, what didn't. Uh, so you can it's like it's like if you're if you're working and then on Fridays or Mondays you have a meeting with all your co-workers and you're uh, and you're reflecting on how it went and how you can work more efficiently how you can be more productive mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that but uh, reflecting reflective exercise every morning instead of uh, every nice. week nice. Uh, or every night mm-hmm. um, so that's one Second, I think it gives you discipline. Um, I mean, you have to to be on your Excel sheet every evening, uh, whatever is happening around you, and, and fill in the, the Excel sheet. Uh, so it's a routine that you create, and it's also a way to, to feel comfortable in your training uh, and to have data. Uh, I mean, we've worked together on the on the solo exercises. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a way of uh, finding motivation in the, in the training. Uh, so I'm writing down every score, uh, every every score of uh, of all my exercises, and I can come back uh, on the previous trainings and see if I've done better. So you can see the progression. And I'm not making graphs, but you can yeah. still see the numbers and 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 work them out in your in your head and and see if you if you if you have improved or not mm-hmm. um, so that's another that's another aspect of it um and as i said yeah i mean uh, another another interesting thing is that you can have a a discussion with yeah, your coach i like that uh, that is less heated than if it's mm-hmm. right after training Brilliant. That's great. Uh, just yeah, I'm, I'm sure the listeners were were keen to understand uh, the kind of the intricacies of it. So thank you for sharing. So um, let's change tracks a little bit. Um, I want to maybe talk about the season gone and the season ahead, and maybe towards when we come to maybe wrap up, I might give you some quick fire questions about some specifics on the squash court. How how does sure. that sound to you? Sure. Good. So yeah, um, you said you reflected on the season just gone. So so what are what are your main takeaways right now, and 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 what, what how do you how do you kind of see it? Yeah, I mean. <laughs> The Qatar Classic and the French Open feel like a long, long time ago, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even a, a year ago. And it was definitely uh, one of the best memories of uh, my season, uh, or even my squash career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and just remind the listeners of how you did in all of this as well, just to give it context. Because yeah, be I made the I made the final future. of the of the Qatar Classic, which is a, a platinum event, so one of the biggest events of the season, uh, being outside the top ten. Uh, beating Joel Macon, uh, Patrick Rooney, Abdallah, um, Al Tamimi, Tarek Moment, and then losing in the final to to Mohamed and Shobagi. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, and I had never made the the quarters before. And then two days I two days right after I had to be in back in France playing the French Open, uh, and being one of the top seeds. I think I was seeded uh, third or fourth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the best of three formats so I knew mm-hmm. the players would be chasing me for an opportunity to win I was on the spotlight so I felt like I had to deliver the French crowd, crowd was behind me uh, all week as well uh, and I eventually won the event beating Mohamed's brother Maon nice. um, in the final and, and winning my first bronze event 
on the on the on the PSA World Tour. And it's an incredible event that French Open. They just it gets better and better every year, doesn't it? And uh, it's in front of the yeah. Eiffel Tower, like pretty soon, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, it's a it's a different event. It's okay, not. Sorry. Uh, it's not. So we've had for years now. We had the the French Open in. I mean, I call it. Yeah, the mm. French Open in Nantes. Okay. Uh, yeah. This year. I'm not even sure it's called the French Open anymore, but it's another. It's Camille Sum and mm. and and Philippe Signore and uh, and and all uh, all the organization be, behind the behind the Paris uh, Alpine uh, project. Amazing. Um, they're organizing an event in front of the Eiffel Tower. Mm. It's going to be a platinum event uh, this year in, in end of August, beginning of September. Wicked. So it's. The first time in my lifetime that we'll have a, a platinum event uh, in France, so it's a, a step forward uh, in the right direction. Uh, I haven't played a lot of the events uh, in Nantes, but the last mm. one was definitely amazing, and they they they're big on making uh, making the event more of a cultural event where you have dance, music. There's a theme every year, mm. uh, depending on on where the tournament is organized in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've been to different locations in in the city of Nantes. Uh, this year in Paris will be more of a elite kind yes. of yeah. event, I think, in front of the Eiffel Tower. Mm. Um, I would I would say Nantes was more of a popular event where yeah. uh, squash fans and um, local um, lo- lo- local people would come together and and, mm. and, and watch uh, uh, watch the spectacle. Mm. Uh, it was a whole experience, uh, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was like, a whole yeah. experience for sure. Mm. Uh, here in Paris, I think it would be more like a, like a Roland Garros type of event. Yes. Of course, yeah, not yeah. as big, but yeah. uh, we wish. But yeah, uh, we'll get there. <laughs> come on, we'll get there soon. <laughs> we'll get there. Love it. And then, um, so those were some of some of your a couple of your positive ones. And then, you know, what do you what are you reflecting on of of how you're going to move yourself forward? Do you think? Sure. Going back to the reflection part. Um, mm. so I felt like I moved to another dimension after those two events, and I had to deliver each event I played. Obviously, I've, I mean, my goal was to be in the top twelve, ten uh, at the end of the season, and after Qatar Classic and the French Open, I was already. I think 11. Uh, and then thanks to my consistency throughout the first half of the season, I moved to in the top 10 and then the top eight in January. Uh, I made the quarters in, in, in Hong Kong. I mm. made the quarters, uh, at the gold event in Singapore as well. Mm. Um, I won 30 K because I had signed up, uh, in the event before I moved to, to top. So top twelve sure. uh, in October after the U.S. Open, uh, so I, I I I won a lot of points that helped me to 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 improve my average and go up on the ranking in January, mm-hmm. and I was um, I was uh, I had a good chance to qualify for the World Tour Finals at the end of the season. So during the during the Christmas break. I had to uh, reflect on the on on the goals I I set I, I set for myself, mm-hmm. and, and and my dad told me you're gonna have to 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 to, to set new goals Brilliant. to stay motivated yeah. and, and 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 have something to chase. So 
uh, I was still conservative and aimed for the top eight okay. and not uh, further uh, further uh, higher on the ranking. Sure. Um, but yeah, I managed to get to, to seven in the world and I'll end the season at number eight. So uh, very proud of myself for moving from 20 to eight. It's, totally. I think, I mean, you've seen over this year, yeah. it's super hard to to break into that top 10. Uh, some players have never been in the top 10, uh, even though they, they've been playing on the Pro Tour for a long time. And, and most of us would consider them as very, very, very strong players. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking of Gregor Marsh. Yeah. Uh, I think Sarah Gozal just made it to the top mm, 10. I think he did once. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So it, it just shows how hard it is to, to make it in this, uh, in this last few spots. Mm. Uh, now I know I have a lot of points to defend. Yeah. In, Dif- different uh, pressure in now, isn't it? Mm. Next few months. Um, so I'm thinking about it. And I mean, I really want to work hard this summer to, to be ready. Uh, to 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 fight and defend and defend those points and try to stay in the in the top ten uh, during the the first half of the season. Um, I mean, the second factor is the divisor is going to come back, which it means is, I'm yeah. going to have to slow down and stop playing as many events in order to to uh, not be too penalized by playing too many events. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I'm going to have to 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 think about. Um, and, but yeah, as I know, I, I I like to play a lot of events. It it might be a, a little change, and I'm going to have to to deal with it. But mm. uh, I'm interested. <clears throat> I'm interested to see how I'm going to uh, how I'm going to perform in the first few few months, knowing that I have the pressure of uh, mm. of uh, having to defend my points and. Uh, and and being a and I'm I'm going to try to take advantage of being a to, top eight in the platinum events for as long as possible. If I can make the quarters, I know I have a chance to make it even further. Because um, often I feel like the the the, the first two rounds are, are really tough. Because uh, the, the 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 tour is really competitive these days, and it is tend to. 50, 70, I know how I can I can have a a tough one. It's not like I can I can play at seventy percent and be through easily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had some tough matches this season, and until European teams, I've always found a way to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's in four or five games, um, I remember playing uh, Omar Mossad in January at in Houston and beating him in five games. Uh, then a few weeks later, I beat Nicole in five games in the first uh, round at the at the TOC. I eventually made it to the quarters mm. uh, with Fasal uh, defaulting after the first game. Yeah. Um, so sometimes those wins are the most important because mm. it gets you through the next round, and so it's more points, and it's a, a opportunity to play the top guys. And I've. I mean, I, I know I can beat them. I've, I've been very close recently with uh, Diego at the British and, yes. and Mohamed mm. at the at the at the European teams. Um, I've gained tremendous experience this season. I don't think I've 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 learned that much uh, in the past about myself, my game, and and, and, and squash in general. Um, 
<clears throat> I know how much I, I need to train. I know how I have to perform, how I have to behave during tournaments. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited. Amazing. And, of course, I know that my identity isn't shaped by my rankings, but uh, it's more of a long-term uh, long-term learning curve where I need to get my squash and my game to to a certain level to be able to to have a certain ranking and so if i go down the ranking well i'll i'll keep working how to 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 get that to that level that will help me to to beat those top guys more consistently love uh, it and mm-hmm. if i do defend my points then i'll keep pushing hard to stay as consistent as i was this season and then get mm-hmm. a few wins to get into the semis the final and eventually won the, those big uh, big titles Amazing. Really well said. And yeah, listen, I think we're all salivating, seeing how it's going to go. There's a few cool rivalries starting to develop on the tour and there's always has been rivals, but there's some cool ones there. And we think we know who we're talking about here. And this is exciting. Um, and yes, you should be immensely proud of, of, of where you've jumped from. Um, so yeah, I can't, for one, can't wait to see how it's going to go, man. And like you said, you, 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 you're grounded, you're humble, you, you know yourself really well that, you know what, if, if you're, if whatever it says on a screen, the number next to your name, you know, you're not going to be so attached to that, even though you've got that no. competitive spirit as well, which is a powerful thing. So, um, cool. So well, listen, I want to give you a quick few quick fire things, if that's okay. Let's, Let's have a, a little yeah. more detail into some squash. Really. It sounds like we need to have a second podcast all about the deep set of the mind. <laughs> Cause there's so much I still want to unpack here, but so, um, when you're playing, how do you attempt yeah. to start? Well, what's your strategy for starting? Well, where, where do you take yourself? Right. I think I've got. Uh, if you say this, uh, then I'm gonna I'm gonna give a lot to my opponents. It's entirely up uh, to you how you want to talk no, about I this. Think, by the way, I yeah. think it's uh, it. You said it's uh, five questions, but I feel like I long questions <laughs> to answer. Um, Take your time. We don't. No, it's no interesting because over the years, I think I've been through periods of time where I've studied all my matches at three lockdown and. Recently, I've been I've been I've been pretty good at starting well, and then openings we come back. So mm-hmm. I would start well, and then I have a three or four points break. Then I would relax a little too much. Uh, my intentions and um, my willingness to really make rallies hard in the next few rallies where it was not uh, where it should be, mm-hmm. and so my opponent would come back on the score. But it's only when we would be tied again that I would. Uh, I would I, I would hit the I, I would hit the the, the pump and, and try to, to win a few tough rallies. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you're trying to you're trying to. I think I think before we start matches, we we'll always tell ourselves, okay, I'm gonna focus on the on the back corners and I'm gonna try to get my length uh, going and not hit the side walls. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, obviously, I have an opportunity on 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 my back end, uh, in the middle of the court. I'm just going to take it, yeah. not thinking too too hard about it. So, um, if you look at an Ali Farag, for example, he's definitely going to stick to that tactic of okay, it's the first game. I'm just going to play to the back, making mm-hmm. my opponent run, uh, play long rallies, and then when he's starting to feel good and he reads the game well, he's going to take the ball short. Uh, personally, I feel like I've managed to improve in the ranking and 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 play some 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 uh, aggressive squash mm-hmm. uh, when I actually go short more often. Okay, because of my physical attributes, 
Uh, I can't just hit the ball hard and, and play to the back corners. It just doesn't work uh, in the long term. And and my opponent figure out my game at some point. And so I think over the last two, three years since COVID, I've started to add more attacking shots to my game and, and nice. also accept just hitting the team. I think that's something that was uh, big mm. in the past. I would, I'd really struggle to recover from just hitting the tin on the, on the, on the, on the attacking shot. And then I would yeah. stop playing them. So just accepting that you can hit a tin as long as you hit two or three winners. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, if your ratio of winners, uh, tins is, is in this case positive, then, well, you, yeah. you're going to win the game. Um, so try, just trying to be, uh, less impacted by hitting the tin and just play mm. your attacking shot freely. Um, and this um, this might link. I, I, I'm sorry if you haven't quite finished. You can come back to this, but I, this is I think quite a cool one. Um, might link to the next question. How do you close out a match? Because that's kind of the, the opposite of the starting well. Is it yeah, kind of the same idea? The, the more the, the the trickier one for for me. I think I've since very young. I've always struggled to to finish games. Okay. Uh, and it takes me one, two, three rallies to actually uh, win the game match mm-hmm. slash match. Um, but that's one of the things I really want to work on this uh, this summer because it's also, I mean, you. I always thought that you compete like you train. So if mm-hmm. you behave, behave a certain way when you train, during during the, the tough times on the squash or uh, during competitive match, it's going to come back and you're going to behave the same way. Yeah. So it's important to put those routine in place uh, while you're training at home before actually having to implement them mm. uh, when you compete. Uh, so I think one of the things I'm going to work on this summer is actually answering that question. Nice. Uh, and one of the answers I think is to have a a, a really simple but effective uh, effective uh, plan mm-hmm. uh, for, for, for those specific points. Um, so, for example, if you watch Mohamed Chobagi, you can see he's 100% focused on getting the ball to the back, playing straight, uh, hitting the ball hard, and waiting for that big uh, opportunity on the volley or off the bounce. Uh, yeah. In the middle, where you can take his face and and play a job, or or or, or hit the ball hard straight on the forehand, for example, mm. uh, like any kind of attacking shot that he loves, uh, that he strives uh, with, uh, but he's just going to wait for it. He's not going to take the 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 half opportunities. He's going to wait yeah. for black and whites, as Mike says, uh, and, and really take them a hundred percent. Uh, whatever the result, if it's a 10, then he'll wait for the next rally. But he's not going to take the half opportunities. And until he has that big opportunity, he's just going to try and, and, and make sure the ball travels to the back corners and exactly. and, and die and mm-hmm. die and die in the back corners too. But, I heard something um, um awesome from David Palmer back in the day. I think it, when he always tried to finish um his match with a with a you know rolling nick, like a volley rolling nick. So, yeah. but it wasn't actually about the final shot. It was the build up to the final shot. It was like how he played the rally to give him an opportunity to have that easy one. And I quite like that. So even though the end goal was to hit a rolling nick, whether he did or didn't, it was the attitude you go about that. I quite like that because that's a real positive way to kind of try close a match out, isn't it? 
Yeah, it is for sure. I mean, Mustafa <laughs> is good at it. For yeah. yeah, he is. He, can, uh, he doesn't care if he's game ball up or if he's at five ball or love ball. If he's got the the opportunity on the volley back and he's going to go for a cross court neck, and mm-hmm. oftentimes it's gonna yeah. it's gonna roll. Uh, but that's also one thing. I mean, <clears throat> you got to do repetition and train those shots when you train so that when you compete, you can play them without really thinking about the the, <clears throat> the end goals and the mm. and the result. You know, you've repeated that shot a hundred times. You know, out of a hundred times, you might hit uh, 90, 90 good shots and maybe 70 uh, of rolling. So, you know, the statistics are on your side and, most oh, yeah. of the time you're gonna you're gonna win the the rally. Yeah. And then um kind of last last question in regard to kind of maybe this little bit. Um managing nerves. You know, I think we all get nervous, think we accept we get nervous. What do you have any little tips or strategies for anyone listening how how you manage the nerves and how they could think about it? Yeah, I think that's I think that's why I've improved the most most from transitioning from the juniors to the seniors. Uh and one of the big thing is how you view yourself. Uh, how you view yourself, uh, com- like how much squash matters to you in terms of your identity. Mm. So it's more fundamental things. It's more, it's more about uh, how you are as a person. But for example, you can see when Ali Ali Farag's playing, it doesn't feel like it doesn't. He doesn't. It doesn't feel like he feels any pressure at any time. If he can play a world world championship final and still smiling and and having fun on the court and as a really committed person it's it's difficult to understand sometimes Mm -hmm. because you're like yeah sure whatever i can do that too but you don't feel the the commitment to 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 your to your to your sport you don't feel as disciplined when you do it sometimes uh so i'm i'm sure uh, players uh, will react and feel differently, but one of the big thing is to to remember that that whatever the result, I mean, it's not going to change who you are mm. and what you. I mean, it's going to change what you achieve. But <clears throat> personally, you should feel more strongly about the work that you put in in the shadow while you're training, and if you've done the work, then um, like you just have to to to. To, to play that competitive game and win or lose. Uh, yep. At least you don't have any regrets. Um, but yeah, it was, it was massive when I was younger. I know I would go and play the British Open and I think I would be playing at 50, 70% because I would be so stressed. I, I wouldn't be able to to hit a, a return serve well uh, consistently, for example. Mm. Uh, I would struggle to, to, to move around the court. I would feel out of breath while well, Physicality has always been one of my strengths, but obviously, when you're emotionally uh, stressed and stable, it's it's hard to to, to perform. Um, so I struggled a lot with it when I was young. Uh, now, now I think I've just managed to get to know myself better, mm-hmm. uh, and I still feel the nerves when I. I still feel the nerves when I when I warm up before my before my matches. Um, I try to put routines in place as well um, to be in the known as much as possible uh, to know I'm ready for that match. 
Uh, I've done, I've done, I've fired all my muscles and I'm ready to compete, but it's inevitable. You're still going to feel the nerves and yeah. you got to embrace them. Um, I think sometimes I've tried to just, when you've called, when you're called to a call and you're warming up the ball, just, just smiling a little bit helps to, um, helps to see things, uh, in a positive way and, and just relax and you can warm up the ball and think about, how lucky you are to be here that can also help sometimes um and yeah i mean focusing on being in the present moment on your tactic on one shot at a time sometimes i get to a fifth game and obviously nerves uh, kick in and you're thinking okay one point at a time and you're actually counting okay i've I've, there's 10 points to win now i've won the first rally for example Mm -hmm. Uh, and you really take it and one one try at a time, one game at a time, uh, one match match at a time. Of course, still go, going to have those uh, uh, thoughts that you don't want to have that are coming into your your head. And and but it's like it's like um, it's like meditation. You can't you you can't stop those thoughts from coming in, but you have to. It's it's more for uh, how long it takes you to get them out of your your head and recenter your 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 mind into the into the present into the things that you have to do right now yeah um, i love that yeah yeah for me it's so interesting but it's, it's a hard it's, thing it, it is i yeah. think it's it's not math it's not it's not simple it's not something it's not it's not like you can you can tell somebody uh, to do this and it's going to work it's very personal it is mm-hmm. um it takes time i think it's also something it takes time you have sure. to accept that it takes time and sometimes uh one thing that work one day won't work the next day uh depends on the occasion it depends on a lot of things uh unfortunately it's i don't like it but it's less sciencey that that we want uh we want it to be Mm. Uh, and i feel sometimes it's, it's also about letting go and not be too serious about uh, about some of the things that 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 we implementing to try and and, and release those nerves. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you've said some amazing things. There's a lot to unpack from you know your identity not being so wrapped up in in the kind of the the scoreboard identity. Uh, also accepting and making room for the nerves. I think that's a big thing. And um, one thing I ask players to do now a little bit more is is perform with courage, even with the nerves are there. Even if you're feeling doubtful, you know, get that courage. Yeah. Don't, don't confidence can sometimes be a, a feeling that is abstract and and hard it kind of comes and goes but we can all have courage we can all do things with courage um and yeah. to me that's a little quite cool balance that that people i think are, are getting quite cool at yeah it's an important one that's true I, I haven't thought about it but i think it personally it's easier to have courage when you're down in the scoreboard <laughs> on, the, on, on the on the on the scoreboard i think for a lot of players uh sometimes they tend to give up when they're down mm-hmm. personally i think i just have that fire in me that I don't want to lose and so I'm just going to do everything in my ability at that moment to fight back and, and come back and I mean uh, for example this week when I was playing uh, I think I, there were a couple of matches where I was down five six points and I found a way to keep fighting and, and try and come back but I think it's personally it's the easy part it's easy to have courage when you're down and yeah. there's nothing really to lose anymore I mean mm. it's either you 
you you you just give up but that's not something i like to do or no. you actually fight hard but it's, it's easy to fight hard in those personally it's easy to fight hard in those moments mm-hmm. where it's it's more difficult to have courage when it's actually one or five or yes. eight or and that's yes. when you have to say okay now is the time it's either you and or him yeah and and you have to give 100 percent right now got to back yourself at that moment Mm, yeah because we are when you're down it's yeah you know i I always have this debate that you know what if if you if you're running like a maniac and you're chasing every ball but you're not mentally engaged i think that's mental weakness you're hiding behind the physical elements of the game sure but actually if you're mentally and physically like you know when you're mentally having to be disciplined whether you're ahead or even when you're behind that for me is a much more interesting place because a lot of people i think hide behind the physical just running and chasing and they go yeah i'm being tough actually you're not being that tough are you yeah yeah no for sure i mean that's yeah and that's that's a thing that you see a lot in well not team sport but team competition team competition in squash for example Mm -hmm. some of the players are just running a lot and Mm -hmm. giving 100 percent physically and and then you're off court and they've lost and you're and and you the coach yourself or himself uh, convince himself that uh, convince ourselves that that we're given hundred percent. Like, well, actually, no, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeff been running around, um, but you haven't actually put the 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 the, the mental strength uh, mm-hmm. necessary to exactly. to get through uh, get through the match. But I mean, it's also easier either said than being done. I think uh, yes. it's probably one of the hardest things to do and. I definitely think if if it's a big if, but if we have the mental strength to be courageous all the time and not be running around and using our physicality, well, we'll probably be winning 90% of the time. Yeah, I think the odds the odds go up a lot. And listen, even if you don't win, you can you can walk off court with your head held high. You know, I, I talk sure. about the two wins. I'm going, we can always have the first win. The winners, the attitude and the choices we make in that situation, whether we're ahead or behind. The second win is the scoreboard reflection, you know, but the first, I, I try to get people to think there's more value in the first win. The second one will start to take care of itself. If you get the first one, right. Like a little yeah. domino to that. So anyway, my little side note. <laughs> Good. Listen, Victor Curran, you've been an absolute treat. I could probably sit and talk to you for another few hours, man. You're, it's super interesting. It super was, engaging. It was a good introduction. <laughs> exactly. Well, there we, we go. I think, I think honestly, because there's so much more I want to talk about, about knowing yourself and what mental strength is. So if you're sure. keen, man, I'd love to do it again at some future points. Um, would you be up for that? Of course, yeah. yeah. Wicked, love it. Well, listen, sounds like you've got a great day left in Paris. Enjoy getting back down to the south of France. Enjoy getting your running shoes on, getting in the sun, training, <laughs> getting yourself mentally prepared. You're obviously off to New York for some uh, some clinics. Yeah. Um, it's been an absolute treat. I'd love to stay in touch with you, man, and I can't wait to see how the season ahead is looking for you. Same. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, everybody, for listening and, and talk soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.